Hi, and welcome back to Between the Benches in a new format called the Doghouse Podcast. This is a podcast where we're going to be talking about all garbage teams, all bad players, and all hockey news. Basically, we're going to be doing the Razzies for hockey. My name is Austin. I'll be today's host, and I will let the panelists introduce themselves. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Uh, my name's Connor. Um, I'm actually Austin's brother. I've done a little bit of editing for some of the Between the Benches videos. Uh, yeah, as you, I'll pass it on to one of the other hosts, J.J. Williams. Hi guys, I'm J.J. Williams. Uh, you've probably seen me before on Between the Benches. Uh, I'm the guy who got more predictions right than Austin. Uh, but other than that, I'm here to talk about the Buffalo Sabres. I got the golden jersey on, one of the most beautiful jerseys in hockey. Uh, I'm going to hand it over to uh, Jimbo. Hey, my name is James. Uh, I'm a diehard Flames fan, so could be looking forward to uh, the Flames being in the doghouse uh, you know, next couple of weeks here. So, uh, but, you know, tonight, uh, looking forward to roasting some Buffalo Sabres because uh, they are the team in the doghouse tonight, aren't they, Austin? Yeah, today's week, uh, the team in the doghouse is the Buffalo Sabres. Arguably, they've been in the doghouse this entire season. Um, God knows when we're going to, who let the dogs out soon, but it looks like they're going to be there for a lot longer. Uh, when we talk about sports in general, we like to take a thematic approach, you know, Detroit is the Roman empire going through its rises and falls, you know, the duality of the Calgary flames, are they good or are they not? So the theme I would like to present for the Buffalo Sabres today is the title of a book and it's called Uber Nitrolagen Zoom F-Log which in English means team life beyond setbacks to success. This is the book that Ralph Kruger wrote for uh, helping German businesses be more productive. And unfortunately, he was not able to bring that to the Buffalo Sabres as he started us off on that 18-game skid. So I just think it really we should go over what was the setbacks to success with this team. And I'll hand it off to the panel again. Well, I mean, where do you even start where the the setbacks for this team were? Do you start, like, we, we could talk about the team, the players, we could talk about the coaching, we could talk about the management, we could talk about ownership. There is so many things that is wrong with this team. And we don't, like, I, I think, personally, I would like to talk about ownership, because that, to me, is where I think most of the blame falls on. Like, when when you look at the owners of most sports teams, especially the successful ones, they will fund their team. They'll give adequate money for their team to operate, and they'll kind of keep a hands off approach. You know, get the glory when your team wins, but hands off. Let the you know the sports people do their sports stuff. Do you do you guys know who the the head of hockey operations is, or the head or the president of the Sabers is? The president of hockey operations for the Sabers is a uh, Kim Pagula. Who is the wife of the owner Terry Pagula? <laughs> who makes those great BS hats? <laughs> yeah, she's great at marketing, as you can tell. Um, her favorite thing to do, besides uh, being the president of a losing franchise, is firing staff. As usually, she's the one who spearheads that. With arena staff being fired, restaurant staff being fired, scouts being fired. So, so wait, the president of the hockey operations is the wife of the owner? Yep. Yes. Kim so Pagula. it's a family business. Yeah, that's so wild. I didn't know. For that. a bit of history, um, Buffalo. Like, does she know strike... anything about hockey? I I don't know. I know they have a very sporty family. Uh, the daughter is a pro tennis player, but back in the early two thousands, the Sabers were and the Bills were both very struggling, and it looks like they were going to move out of Buffalo. 
I believe the Sabres were supposed to move to Houston. And there was talk that the Bills would move to Toronto. So Toronto could have an NFL team. Uh, local fracker, however, Terry Pagula, who owns an oil and I believe he owns tourist business as well, came in as Super Pagula and bought both franchises. So that's how he became the owner of both the Bills and the Sabres. Uh, with his, he had a legendary uh, quote when he bought the Sabres, which was, "We're not here to win hockey games. We're here to win the Stanley Cup." Wait, what year? What year did he purchase the franchises? I want to say he was here the first year we uh, made the playoffs before the ten game or the ten year drought. So, two thousand nine, I believe he bought it. So his legacy right now has literally been ten years of sadness plus one year of mediocrity. Yeah, so uh, one year away under from Terry the Pagula, current playoff trout record. <laughs> under Terry Pagula, we have had been one of the bottom teams in the NHL. Uh, before he bought the Sabres, the Sabres were top four in win percentage in the league as a franchise. So in about 45 years of being a franchise, I think the Sabres only missed the playoffs six times. Like, they were a tremendous team. And then just under the direction of Terry Pagula, the team has really fallen apart. As you can see, as... Kim Pagula being the director of hockey operations right now, or the president of hockey operations. So there's really a lot to unpack there um, when it comes to, you know, why is the owner being such an effect? But he had a, a great quote at the start of this year that I think really sums it up. When asked about running the Sabres, he said, it is the three E's, it is efficient, effective, and economic. And that has kind of been the tailcoat of the Buffalo Sabres legacy is he is so concerned about money when it comes to the Sabres. He's pinching pennies at every spot. So you guys got, what, six six pro scouts or something compared to Toronto's yeah, right now. <clears throat> so Toronto has 13 one. amateur scouts, just, just amateur. I don't know how many pro scouts each team has, but Toronto has 13 amateur scouts, an analytics department, and three heads to the amateur scouting department. The Buffalo Sabres has six amateur scouts, including the two guys who lead it, who are also our analytics department. We don't have a Finland scout, we don't have a Russia scout, and we don't have a WHL scout. You guys don't have a WHL scout? We do not have a WHL scout at the moment. He was, as you know, when Jason Botterill was fired. (laughs) Bat Barzell. He only had a five-point night tonight. Yeah, we used to have a WHL scout. That's why we drafted Cousins from Lethbridge. But um, when Botterill got fired and Kevin Adams come in, uh, he fired our WHL scout. So That's crazy. The, the one scout who found a player that actually worked. I wonder how much that has to do with a COVID year, um, like just financially, especially oil and gas. I mean, I won't get into the politics of oil and gas, but it's not going well in that industry. So I wonder how much that has affected it as well as um, the owners just not having a clue on things. Uh, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt, but when you see ex-Sabres legends coming back to celebrate their time wearing knockoff jerseys, it just looks terrible. Man, they, how do you, or did you see their names being spelled wrong too? Spelled like, how, wrong, do you, how do you... How do you spell a name wrong of, of one of your best players ever sorry, and have their economic center? Wait, wait, remind me. So, sorry, what happened? So last year, in the 50th anniversary of the Buffalo Sabres, we had a big celebration. Uh, JJ, if you want to stand up and do a little twirl-wise, tell the story, because he's wearing the jersey. Um, It was this big celebration. You know, they released that beautiful jersey, and what they did was they brought in all these old legends 
who are going to wear the, the old jerseys and come and drop pucks and sign things. But the thing about the Sabres is I don't know if they didn't have a stock of old jerseys. Uh, if you look in the top right, I have a Goathead jersey, and that has taken me, you know, 17 years to find one. Like, they're incredibly hard to find. So they ordered knockoffs from China and gave them to the the alumni. So you guys, you have guys like Dave Anderchuk, Sabres legend, and his name is spelt wrong, and the logo doesn't, it's not square on the jersey. It's, it's embarrassing. Close. It's brutal. It's un. It's disrespectful. There's no excuse for it. You know, it's almost as if uh, Tim Pagula really wanted to buy the Bills and bring a Super Bowl to Buffalo, and just kind of bought the Sabers to go along with it to make him some money. See, like it drives me wild because every time I look at like the Sabers social media, they have an amazing social media presence. They, they like they're clearly putting money towards marketing. Like, they got to put some of that money towards their actual hockey operations. It just, it doesn't make sense. So I think, like, what JJ said, too, I mean, it's really hard to judge teams this year because it is a COVID year. You know, the, the Pagula's two main industries are tourism and oil, which have taken the biggest hits from COVID. So I think, like, there was a report that outside of hockey and football, they had to lay off all their restaurant staff, they had to close hotels, things like that. So obviously, you know... The fact that they are trying to spend to the cap on a COVID year is that's good, but it's everywhere else where the meat got trimmed, and it didn't just start with the COVID year. You know, they were doing this last year when there it came out a leaked article that they uh, they weren't going to spend any more money on Sabers, you know, scouts and general managers because they're saving up for a super yacht that they want to build, and so all the money's going towards that. So it's just it, it's crazy to me how the, the lack of respect they have for the Sabers name, the organization. Especially when you look at the Bills, they're becoming the premier organization in football right now. You know, they're hardworking, they love their fans, Every free agents want to go there, everyone who plays there loves it, it's just such a great winning culture. And then you have the Bill, the Sabres who, maybe in the next three years, they'll get the same amount of wins that the Bills had last year, God only knows if we're that lucky. Uh, I, I do believe the uh, Pagulas took a hands-on approach with uh the bills but then took it off and now you're seeing success there uh correct me if i'm wrong but i do believe they were very hands-on at the start and we all know the yep. bills were very good for a long time uh and now they've taken their hands off they put people in who know what they're doing and just like that the bills are good another point i want to bring up it was also vancouver's uh, 50th anniversary last year and when they brought the legends out uh because austin was saying oh they might not have had the goat head jerseys in stock what the Canucks did is they remade the jerseys those players wore, but in Adidas fashion. So there's clearly, if the Vancouver Canucks can clearly do that and contact Adidas or whoever and ask them to build those jerseys, why can't Buffalo? Um, it Excellent just, it point to bring up, JJ. Uh, the Sabres tried to do that, but they kept handing that job around to contact Adidas. That there's an actual deadline you have to put in to submit for new jerseys for the year. And they miss the deadline. So that that again just shows that they don't they either don't care or they don't know what they're doing. I mean, those they're, are legends. They're solely disrespected. So so where they are right now, you know, obviously they just ended their 18, 18 game losing streak. Yeah, eighteen mm-hmm. yeah, game. The Philadelphia so, Flyers. So so at the end of last season, right in the off season, they. They brought in seemingly a lot of uh, big names, right? They brought in whole um, names that you typically wouldn't associate with a, an owner that isn't willing to pay out. So 
at least what it sounds like is that they're willing to pay for the players, you know, up to the cap, but not for the staff to uh, build a successful franchise in the long run and develop their own players. Yeah, so The Athletic did a great article on this. Shout out to um, John Vogel, uh, the Sabres beat writer for The Athletic. He's been covering them for years. But basically, it came out, and how pathetic is this going to sound when I say it, that uh, the Pagulas felt betrayed by uh, hockey minds in the hockey world, that everyone they brought in who was an established hockey mind had failed them. You know, Dan Bilesma, Jason Botterill, all these guys. And so... They, they think if you throw money at a problem, it fixes it. So everyone they've brought in in the manager side are all, you know, former um, staff of theirs or former players of theirs. So they're saving pennies there, and then they're just throwing money at players and hoping, you know, something sticks to the wall. But, Jeez. like, they, they, they're picking guys from, like, teams that are trending downwards. They're not, it's not like they're getting the hockey minds... Uh, of something that's been great, like a, a system that that's been working, right? Like they're, they're Dan Bilesma, like he was I mean, already on Bilesma, his way out. They got Bilesma after he won a cup in Pittsburgh, so I I can't fault him for that signing. Yeah, but it was like two to three years after, and Bilesma's Pittsburgh Penguins weren't nearly as good. Oh, he was brutal, absolutely. And then you look at like their current signing as GM. You know, they fired Jason Botterill because Botterill butchered the team. But at the same time, they were so hands-on with Botterill, they never actually let him run the team the way he wanted. So they fire a guy for not doing what they wanted after he did what they wanted. And they bring in Kevin Adams, who for the past three years has been the general manager of the Harbor Center, which is the arena area in Buffalo. So he's never been a general manager, never been a scout. He was an assistant coach uh, 10 years ago. He's a great. He was a great player when he played. He won a cup, but you know what experience does he have running a team? And I, I can't, you know, judge the guy yet. He just got the job. He got put into an impossible position. But it's just decisions like that that show they really don't care. They're not trying their hardest. Well, they're not putting the money where they need to put the money, right? Like, arguably, when, instead of bringing like a guy like Taylor Hall for eight million dollars, even though it's a one-year contract. You could have used cap to get better depth throughout your team, and that would have probably served the Sabers way better. I personally, I think. Like, what do you? Well, exactly. That's a great point, Connor. I was going to say that too because they, they, you know, some could argue that they did put the you know, their money where their mouth was in the off season, but it's not working, right? And at the end of the day, you know what's happened this season. It doesn't matter, you know, how many scouts you have. You know, on paper, they had a contending team this year, right? Um, but it just hasn't worked out. I give a lot of slack to the Buffalo Sabres this season um, just because of some of the terrible conditions. Were they going to make the playoffs before if everything went smoothly? God only knows, right? But you, you have Eichel come in with a lot of injuries. He's not playing like himself. He gets smoked. He's out for the season. You have Ristolainen and McCabe playing like the top two pair in the league. You know, they're killing it. McCabe gets a season-ending injury. He may never play hockey again at his age. You know, Ristolainen gets COVID and he writes an article about how he feels like he was going to die some nights. He hasn't been the same since he got back to COVID. You know, Bryson comes in. He's looking amazing. He gets hurt, comes back. Thankfully, he's still playing well. Will Borgen comes in. He's looking like the answer to the Sabres' defensive problem. He breaks his arm. He's out for the season. Allmark's been playing like a Vesna caliber goalie. He gets knocked out for a month. Carter Hutton gets knocked out. 
We're down to two AHL goalies, one who hasn't played since 2016-17, and the other one who hasn't played an NHL game ever was playing in the ECHL last year. You know, you make all these strong depth signings, and then your team just gets decimated by injuries. And then you have not one time, but twice when you tell the NHL you don't feel comfortable playing a game due to COVID risks. And both times they go ahead, and both times someone gets COVID from it. And the team just, after that COVID break, they just haven't looked the same. A lot of guys just look like they don't have the lungs anymore for it. And even every single time we get a bright spot this season, it just gets destroyed. You know, Curtis Lazaro is turning it on, and he's one of our hard-earned hustle guys, and he might be out for the season now too. It's just a tale of tragedies in Buffalo. Uh, I'm going to defend signing Taylor Hall just for the fact that Taylor Hall played really well under Ralph Kruger uh, back in Edmonton. So they saw success there and went, maybe we can recreate that. And now he's playing with Eichel. He didn't exactly have that in Edmonton. I know he had McDavid sort of near the end of Edmonton, but uh, that was when Edmonton was also in the dumps. Uh, so they, uh, I think they were trying to recreate that magic, but I don't, the, the thing I would disagree with is they already had Jeff Skinner, who didn't play very well last year, but that's because they didn't play him with Eichel as much. They started playing, uh, oh, geez, Olofsson. They started playing Olofsson there, who played very well. Uh, the issue is they've, they've given all this money to Skinner now for till the end of time. Uh, he is signed uh, past 2026, 27, and now they're not giving him the opportunity to succeed with Eichel, which he did the first year. Uh, so then they sign another guy to replace him uh, for only one year who probably won't stay this year now, um, but might not have even stayed anyway. And now they're paying Skinner all this money to play on the third or fourth line uh, with a decimated squad. So I just think that's poor management <laughs> overall. But I could see where they were kind of going with that Taylor Hall signing originally. But- but you know, they had too many wingers. Were they maybe chasing skill a little more than leadership? Because, like, I look at the roster and who are the real leaders on the team? Like, I know Eichel's the captain, but is he really leadership quality? I mean, every season he comes out and complains how he's tired of losing and he calls out his whole team, but nothing actually changes. Like, what's the what's going on in the locker room there? What's the feel uh, in there? I mean, even then, right, you bring in, like, a very classic, strong leadership guy in Eric Stahl, who's been a captain for years in they the NHL. They decimated him this season. Right? Like, he, he led a team to a Stanley Cup. You can't forget that. And if he can't really, like, do much with his team, right, it's... just It's like toxic culture in there or something, right? Like, mm-hmm. just yeah, but, like, it's... When it comes to leadership, is it's a fine line of, you want to have leaders and you want to have veterans on your team, but they have to be able to play. Like, you know, Kyle Pozo is an immense leadership voice in the dressing room. He's respected. He wears the A every year, but, like, Buddy can't play anymore. He doesn't have it. And so it's that's their issue is they can't find these veterans, and every time they swing out, you know, everyone was excited when they heard Eric Stahl coming into Buffalo because he's, you know, one of the most respected guys in the league. And, you know, he's just always been you know with the fun dad in the dressing room but like holy crap did he suck this year he was i think he was one of the couple few guys who just night out did not try do you think that eichel was the right choice for the captain like i i i I just can't help but feel like they picked him because he was the most skilled guy it's it really comes down to you know different teams value different things and captains i i think eichel was a great pick in that 
he he has that compete level. All he cares about is winning. And, you know, some people might not like their captain coming out and saying that. I think it's great. I'd rather have a captain come out and, you know, be pissed off and not satisfied with where our team is than be complacent. Um, I think he was definitely too young when he got picked to be captain. But that's just kind of me being, you know, a bit old school. I prefer my captains to be on the older side and more leadership quality. But you got to you gotta surround him with some guys to help show him the ropes, right? You can't just, you know, I mean, let him drown. And Kyle Ocposo is not the solution to that issue. Yeah, I mean, just in talking about leadership with, like, superstars, right? Like, Mary Lemieux came back to help Sidney Crosby learn the ropes of leadership. And that really paid dividends. Eichel really didn't have that. And, I mean, you, you mentioned, like, yeah, it's, it's good to have a guy who voices his displeasure. But it almost seems like there's a lack of intensity there. Like, just watching and listening. It doesn't sound like he's intense and wants to do everything he can to get his team fired like, back up. Does he have the respect, back. you know, to say that sort of stuff? Like, are people actually it, responding to it? Yeah, I agree. I think it's great he's saying it, but, like, are people responding? Because this season makes it seem like they're not. I mean, uh, to Chris me, it doesn't seem like they've been it. saying it for years. He's been saying the exact same thing for years. Uh, that We saw it with Ryan O'Reilly, too, when he played in Buffalo. He lost his love for hockey. Then he went and won a Stanley Cup with St. Louis. It's Robin almost Laner. getting to the Dude. Robin Laner. It's almost getting to the point now where you're you're asking these questions to yourself. Going, yeah, we have these really good players, but do we need a locker room reset? Do we have to trade out pretty much everything and fire sale the team because it's not working? Uh, people don't want to be here, and maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's created this toxic locker room where no one believes in themselves and you see it all the time with teams where it's not going their way the puck hits the post they miss they get down on themselves and when you go on an 18 game losing streak that's only more fuel to the fire if it was a good team like the pittsburgh penguins or uh, washington or teams that have been successful in the past that had this huge losing streak it would still be devastating for them but i think the patience in buffalo is running out especially for players who have played their entire career in Buffalo, who have never made the playoffs. I mean, no. Sam Reinhardt's 25. <laughs> Ristolainen's 26. They, they must be tired of losing. They've never even been a competitive team. Oh, what do the fans say after 10 years of pain and rebuild when, you know, after 10 years you come out and say, yeah, sorry, we're blowing up the team and we're starting all over again? Yeah, like, like how can you justify that as management and as ownership to be like, yeah, we're blowing up? Like, as a fan base, do you trust them to fix what they have with what they have? Or do you be like, yeah, okay, I trust them uh, to blow up the team. Honestly, you can't really trust them with both either. Like, Because you look neither back worked. at, um, you know, the Colorado Avalanche, you know, 2016, 2017, they were terrible. But they had a great team, and... They go on the next season, they make the, the playoffs, and they really make a run of it. And that was, I think, a case of more players just not clicking, right? But um, it doesn't feel the same, you know. I don't know if it's... You you can't keep the same roster next season and expect that to happen. Colorado also got a King's Ransom for Duchesne, which has yeah, really helped them. I mean, look at their team now and how many of those players who are really good came from that deal. And their drafting's just been phenomenal. And not every team has that drafting luck. I mean, uh, Austin was saying uh, right before this call that Casey Milstead's starting to play better now. But when he got drafted, we were all like, oh, wow, watch out. Buffalo's going to be amazing. And it just hasn't gone that way, unfortunately. If, yeah, and but is that... Know... Like oh, sorry, is, is that like a it, but is that on Middlestad alone, like poor drafting? Or is that just the development? It, it could be both. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, we just talked about them having barely any scouts and not having scouts in other areas. Maybe that plays a part in it. Um, and yes, the fans have probably lost faith in the team or the owner, sorry, well, and the team, uh, and they don't want to see another rebuild. But I just don't see a solution right now that is working. Uh, they have to do something. And uh, Rissalainen only is uh, a year after this one. So they're going to have to make a decision with him. He's a UFA. Uh, Montour's done at the end of this year as well. Uh, they have a lot of players expiring. Hall's probably going to leave. So if you take all those players who are leaving anyway, who are probably not going to be there, and you just take what's left, is that a winning team? I don't think so. And when you have $15 million locked up in Ocpozo and Skinner uh, for a few years, that really hurts as well. Yeah, like, I, I mean, when you can do the Colorado comparison too, Colorado never had one of those anchor contracts that is going to be impossible to move. The highest paid guy in Colorado now makes over $8 million, But, like, McKinnon signed for less than $7 million. That is a hell of a deal. Like, and I, like, Eichel's contract, I will say, is worth the money. Like, comparable to when the time signs? Perfect contract, but like you can't just give out contracts that big, because then guys on your team when they need to be resigned are going to ask for the same thing. You got to keep in mind though with the McKinnon contract, the reason why he signed so cheap was because they walked him straight to free agency. He's going to be a free agent straight in his prime. Will he stay? Probably because Colorado is one of the best teams in the league, but that's a risk you always are going to take. I mean, if you look at Toronto, Austin Matthews is probably going to go to Arizona in his prime at 26. Like, so. you, you, right. <laughs> and they didn't even get a discount on him either. So, you know, you got to really be careful with the contracts. The issue, too, that Buffalo has that they can't benefit from that Colorado did is, you know, we've been saying this over and over. It's a COVID year, right? You know, the market isn't the same. Teams are so penny-pitching. And drafts, uh, draft picks, I was wondering which way they're going to go value-wise. Apparently, they've gone through the roof. You know, there's, you know, last year, Taylor Hall got a king's ransom when he was struggling with New Jersey. He got a first. He got, I think it was three prospects. You know, and this year they're saying they'd be lucky if they got a second for him. Like, well, yeah, very well, few. Yeah. Like, it's just such a hard year for the market. You know, you're never going to see a trade like the Duchesne one where they get a non-protected first. Like, it's just with COVID and the cap staying flat for the next four years, teams that are going to blow it up are going to have a really tough time getting value for the players. Like, at this point in time, you know, you, there's no trade you can make for Jack Eichel where you'll get a return that's even close to the value you should get. I mean, you're yeah. right. Um, but then I guess talking on COVID and just, I guess going more recently to the Sabres with like their recent skid, is that really like, do you, how much of that is a COVID thing versus just how poorly they've have been playing together? Like, so yeah, Austin, you, you know, you say it's a lot of, uh, you know, injuries and, you know, physical stuff. So, you know, they, they get a long off season this year, you know, they finish early or whatever and um, no playoffs. So they get to rest up for four months. So what, what are we looking at Buffalo Sabres 2021-2022? That's, you know, that's really hard to say because, you know, this year, like I said, I think the injuries played a big part in it. At the start of the season, they definitely looked a little rusty because they haven't been playing for, you know, like nine months, was it, or something? And you're playing against in the East Division, except all but one team didn't make the playoffs or got to play in the play-in round. So you're playing all these guys who have been playing, who are in the bubble. And before we got COVID from New Jersey, I think our record was 6-4-2. and two. 
which that's not a great record, but they're not out of it, right? I think they're sitting around fifth or sixth. They're trying to compete. And then you get COVID, and then we go on this huge skid. So the question really comes down to, for the 2021-2022 Sabres, is do you blow it up or do you hold on? Because are, are, we talking to, are we talking about them this time next year? I That really depends on how Kevin Adams wants to take this team. He's got one of the best... If you look at it in a bubble, the best building blocks for a young core. You got a number one franchise center. You got an extremely young defenseman. You got a very big, fast young guy in Dylan Cousins. You know, Ryan Hart is still young. Olafson's still young. You got you have the pieces that you just need to add around. Good goalie but, too. Good goalie. All works great. Literally, Patrick is going to look really good in two years when he comes up to the NHL, right? And for the first time in a long time, a couple of their later round picks are actually starting to look, you know, pretty good. Linus Wyback in uh, college was doing really well this year, and he might sign. And he was a seventh round pick, right? And Lawson was a seventh round pick too. So you got a lot of good things to be happy about, but at the same time, you got a lot of money locked up. Like JJ said, you got 15 million in Ocpozo and Skinner. And Skinner's a great player, and he loves playing in Buffalo, but they just have not been able to utilize him right properly again. And at what point do you shoot his game? How are you going to attract players in the offseason, though? Like, who wants to go to a team that tied, you know, for the, 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 the what, what is it, the most recent uh, losing streak in the whole millennia? Like, who who wants to go I, to that They tied team? Uh, Pittsburgh, yeah. Yeah, yeah who would? They tied <laughs> Pittsburgh from uh, 2004. Not just, just that, like Pittsburgh. They have their cap locked up. They can't even make big signings. So they can't even and make Skinner big signings. Skinner signed longer than Eichel. And even, so they can't make big signings because they've got a lot of cap locked up. But even the big signings wouldn't even want to go there. So. But like, the, uh, not necessarily they need big signings, right? Like, Taylor Hall, like he, he expires this year. He, there's no way Taylor Hall can command a contract over $5 million or per year on the open market. There's no way. And the Sabres won't be able to sign him for or shouldn't sign him for anything above that, right? Like, that's $8 million off their cap hit. They actually, surprisingly, could have more cap hit room than, you know, we're giving them credit uh, for. But then so back that's to also the owners. Another thing. Oh, sorry, back to the owners and penny pinching, is when that contract's gone, are they going to even want to sign players and go back up to being a team that's up against the well, cap? Well, no one's going to want to go there. So they got no exactly. option. Exactly. And correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, but I'm pretty sure the owners were very hands-on in the Skinner contract. They were. So they were hands-on in both the Skinner and the Eichel contract. Uh, Jason Botterill didn't want to sign either of them long-term. He So before he came to Buffalo, and the reason why I was so excited to get him, was he was the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, capologist, the cap wizard. So he was the reason why Pittsburgh was able to compete for as long as they did, because he was one getting guys under good contracts. And his rule of thumb is you do not sign anyone longer for five years and you keep the contracts cheaper, right? You keep it cheap, you keep it short. There's no injury to that. But the issue with the Skinner contract and one that I think we're going to see again with Taylor Hall is you have a fan base that is so starved for playoffs and so starved for good, you know, good teams that when you have a guy like Jeff Skinner come in and he scores 40 goals and his chemistry with Eichel's through the roof, you can't just let him walk in free agency, right? You know, there was news that came out that Jim Benning wanted to give him, I think it was $10 million. He was like, if he, get, if he hits the market, I'm going to throw $10 million at him right away. 
this was I know pre COVID time when we talk about contracts, it's like wow, teams were just willing to splash money. So if you're the Sabres, imagine how bad the optic looks as you finally get a guy who can compete at an all star level and you just let him walk to for nothing. So they were saying lock him up, nine million eight years, just get it done. And things like little things like that, where instead of making the right decision to make a competing team, you're doing the thing for optics. It's just what it destroys the fan base, right? You know, is the right thing to do blow it up, start over, build around the core we have? Probably. But how are you going to sell that to the owners who are throwing money at this team? How are you going to sell that to the fans that, hey, uh, 2014 we said we're going to blow it up. 2015 we blew it up. Uh, 2018 we blew it up a bit. Okay, we're going to do it again now, right? At what point do you go, enough is enough, we have to win games? So it's it's going to, Kevin Adams has the impossible job, and I think Within this next week, I know Darren Ferris, uh, Taylor Hall's agent, said he's still interested in signing in Buffalo. So when he said that he when? signs he an extension. When? What? When did he say that? I think like a week ago. Really? Because they asked him. They asked him after um, offers. <laughs> yeah. So they asked him um, after Kruger got fired, and he said, "I'm still interested. I still like the group of guys." And I then can't you know the reporter that. asked. That's unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah, I, I remember the headline. Well, I mean, so if he's saying, I mean, if a UFA is saying that, it might be just to drive up prices. So it's kind of tough to say. But also, just to Buffalo's credit, this off season they have thirty-four million dollars to play with, in cap space. Yeah. And as shitty as this does say, because everyone has played bad, extensions will be cheaper. So that's huge too. But um, yeah, with Dallas yeah, especially. I mean, Dallin's had a rough year, so his extension will be cheap. Whether or not you sign him long-term or short-term, that's the big question. Oh, he's got to be going short. He's got to bet on, bet on himself, for sure. Yeah. Definitely. But uh, Taylor Hall, whether or not he signs an extension the next week is going to kind of be the key in pointing the, the franchise in the right direction. As I mean, I love Hall. He's a great player. He's a great guy. But at what point, like, how much does he actually add benefit to this team? You know, if you throw $6 million at Hall for the next couple of years... Hall's a stud, but you have a Lobson on the left side who cheaper value provides goals. You have Skinner who costs a lot. You're going to be paying him a lot of money, and he does goals. You know, do you need that triple punch on the left wing when there's other areas that you can actually need to fix? And back to what James said about, you know, no one's going to want to go to Buffalo. It's just we're in the situation where Pittsburgh was, where no one wanted to go to Pittsburgh in the early 2000s. But So you're just going to have to draft and pray to God you can build this team from the ground up. But... I think the clock's running a little too too quick for them, and I don't know if they have the patience to wait for guys like Jack Quinn, Ryan Johnson, you know, Mateus Samuelson to make the roster. And if, if we're talking about drafting your way out of this, this is one of the worst years. Uh, most junior leagues aren't playing. We're going to play reduced schedules. So it's going to be a lot of busts and, and players who are turn out to be fantastic. So if the Sabres are going to have to try to get a little lucky there, um, but we'll see how that goes. Uh, but I think coaching is going to be a huge thing. They have to get a good coach this offseason. You can't hire a guy who is over in England managing Southampton football team. I know he was good in the past, Ralph Kruger, but you need to find a good coach. They have a good goalie coach in Mike Bales, ex-Ohio State goalie coach. He also helped coach the Penguins when they were successful. And uh, their one goalie has been pretty successful, so that's working out. But you need a head coach. You can't have a coach putting a $9 million guy who signed till the end of time, who played really well with Eichel, not playing with Eichel. Uh, I know uh, Lawson did very well that year and was great with Eichel the next year, 
but you gotta set up Skinner for success. Putting him on the third and fourth line is just gonna kill his confidence, I mean, and he's not gonna to. score well. It's mandatory. You can't just he can't just keep going the way he is. You know, at the, that money. Like not only that, you just can't have coaches. You know, beefing with the players. Like Kruger just immediately coming and putting Skinner in his doghouse and just making like little petty comments about him. Like when uh, Skinner finally broke his droughtless goal streak this year. Um, Kruger made a really sassy comment, like, you know, for someone who's only ever measured his career in goals, I guess that's a big moment for him. Like, you don't need crap like that in a dressing room. Like, that's that's a setback to success by Ralph Kruger. What's that going to do? What's that like, going to do? Yeah, he should read his own book. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Sabres have so many, like, interesting pieces when it comes for coaching. Don Granado, our interim coach right now, he was running our power play, which was, like, top five in the league before – all the injuries hit. He's good with the power play. You got to keep him there, right? You got um, Dan Girardi, who's helping with player development, who's, you know, a great, he was a great defenseman in the NHL and he was undrafted. He knows what it takes to work all the way to the top. So you got these small little good pieces, but it doesn't matter if you don't have a good head coach. And we have the perfect opportunity ahead of us. Uh, Bruce Boudreau just straight up came out and said, I would love to coach the Buffalo Sabres. He uh, used to play against them a lot when they were good. He's from the area in Toronto. And, yeah, I know he's never won a cup, but he knows how to make a playoff team. He knows winning culture. And he just knows how to work guys. You know, you look at those Minnesota teams, and we talk about how boring they were, but he turned a bunch of, you know, nobodies into a team that could play well. So you got this perfect golden egg sitting there, and it just really comes down to Kevin Adams if he's willing to take it. Honestly, it's not just about, like, Bruce Bordeaux. Buffalo needs to shell out for like a world class coach. I feel like a lot of teams don't understand the importance of a coach, and they really need to push what for one that is either fits the scheme of their players or pushes them to what they can actually achieve. And that's something I don't think like Bruce Boudreau could do, but he I don't think he fits the kind of scheme that Buffalo needs. Like he had. I don't know. I, I just I don't see Bruce Boudreau as the kind of guy that's going to fix this issue. I think they just need someone to come in and change the culture, right? Like I, because I do agree with you, Austin. Like I think there's a really good foundation there, and I feel like this could have gone way differently. But here we are, right? Like just on the end of a 18 game losing losing streak. But uh, obviously you got Eichel. Most teams don't have you know a player of that caliber to build build around. So. If the, you know, if he leaves, that's going to be a huge blow. Like you have to keep him. Whether you can keep him motivated, that's another you know situation. But uh, I guess we'll see what happens. And I think though, with Bruce, uh, the joke always with him was uh, with Minnesota, especially that they were always this team that would just make the playoffs and then not do very well. I think Buffalo fans Calgary would kill for that right now. They'd be so happy just to make the playoffs, just to be competitive, to be back there. Uh, they just need someone who can get them there and motivate them. And I know earlier I was saying uh, maybe they just they need to blow it up. Uh, another option they could look at is just retooling the teams, maybe trading out some of their top players who are have expiring contracts in a, a year or two and getting in other quality players. Obviously right now is not the best time to trade them. So hopefully next year you can start off a little better, see if the culture changes, and if it doesn't, you know, maybe trade Aristo for another good defenseman. Try something, because right now it's not working. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think the Sabres just want to make the playoffs so bad, because unlike those Minnesota teams, 
we have so many intriguing pieces that I just know if they got into the playoffs, they, they could do something, right? You know, Jack Eichel would be a monster in the playoffs. And when you watch Ristolainen play, you're like, this dude looks like a playoff warrior, a big, mean defenseman who can score. And they're just, they haven't been given the chance to get there, right? So we just want to get our foot in the door. And that's the issue. Do we tear it down or do we retool? At least, like, the only bright side to this is it does look like Kevin Adams has full autonomy with the team. It looks like the the Pagulas are taking a step back. And at right now, he's pretty much overwhelmed with all the trades, all the injuries. So he's looking to get not one, but two assistant general managers, which I can't even remember the last time the Sabres had an assistant general manager. We're supposed to be getting Jason Carmanos from the Carolina Hurricanes. He's an executive, and he's done great work there. And apparently, and this is a rumor I heard, and I don't know how much validity it is to it, but uh, Jim Rutherford, the former Penguins GM, might come in too. And yeah, I know Penguins fans will laugh their ass off if that happens because he was pretty terrible there at the end. But if you add someone who has been such a founder, like future Hall of Famer in hockey for GMs, right, having that presence in the office, that's already the start of a winning culture. And I remember when Botterill was here, he was so focused on building from the ground up. You know, he turned the Rochester Americans into a really good playoff team, a really great winning culture. And so when you have the young guys come up from there, they have that mindset. So if you can do that to the front office too, it's only a matter of time until you can get that in the dressing room. But I do think, you know, it's going to be a question in Kevin Adams' mind. Can it happen with this core? Are we going to have to change it for that winning culture to come? Well, I don't think you guys are going to be able to change this core anytime soon. Like with all the cap restrictions and all that, as well as like given that it is a COVID year, it's tough to actually gauge how good teams are. Like you look a lot around the league, you look at like the North Division, for instance, right? Like man, Toronto and Edmonton, they're sh- Winnipeg as well. They're all sure like cap or cup locks, right? But it's really tough to say, especially when any given time you could miss games and you're only playing a handful of teams multiple times over and over and over again, right? Oh. Yeah, they are in the division of death after all. Um, I'm not going to give them too much uh, of an excuse with that because seven wins is just unacceptable. But you, you do have a point there if you're playing the same teams over and over again and you just don't play well against them. Maybe that hurts. So maybe next year, if things go back to normal, they can start off a little better and get another high draft pick who can maybe play, and hopefully things change. I just think with the amount of players who have been on that team and their entire career has just been misery, it's going to be hard to change their mindset when on that team. Sometimes you do just need a change of scenery to wake up. Yeah, and again, the difficulty just comes straight back to, you know, how... Like you don't want to undersell these guys. If you're gonna finally trade Ristolainen, and you don't, you want to get full value for Ristolainen. and you don't want to be selling short. You're gonna to want to get those draft picks, those prospects, those players. And then I think you gotta spend a bit of money on some veterans. You know, Dalene is dying to have you know an older defenseman just you know help be that guiding tomb because you know he's he's a young kid. He came in the league as an 18 year old and he's already having to play with the younger guys like Yoki Haru and be their mentor in the league. So that's, you know, that's such an impossible role to ask of a 20-year-old. Right. And I think that totally circles back to what I was saying before about the leadership thing, right? Like, maybe they didn't bring in enough leadership when these young prospects were coming up. And now you're in this weird situation Mm -hmm. where the prospects are now the leaders, quote-unquote, to the younger guys. But they never got taught how to be a leader themselves, right? So maybe it goes back 
All yep. they know is losing. Yeah, and that's definitely um, that's an issue that at least uh, on another positive, you know, from what I've seen about Kevin Adams is that's an issue he recognized, right? You know, Eichel when he came in the league, he had nobody. You know, he had Matt Molson who got sent down, right? But then you look at uh, now this year with Dylan Cousins, they placed his locker right between uh, Jack Eichel's and Eric Stahl's. So there's very like this clear intent of you know surrounding these new young guys with you know this veteran mindset and showing them what it means to be you know a winner but you got to be act a bit quicker right this year we got to sign you know and as much as everyone hates the guy uh, even drew doughty came out i think it was two years ago when they asked him they're like you know this rookie kid dalene's laying the league up and he's like yep this kid's going to be one of the greatest defensemen but he needs it he needs an older presence beside him and he was like, when I was a rookie, I had an older defenseman with me, and he showed me the ropes, and I'll never, you know, forget the lessons I got. And if you get that for Dowling, he'll be better than anyone will expect. And they just haven't found that for so, him. So is it too late? Are they, you know, are they getting too old? Oh, oh God. Uh, not, not with Dowling. Like, like, How old is just look, that old? Well, Dowling's like, he, he maybe is turning 20 this year. He's very, very young. And he's turning like, 21. Like, Eichel's 23. Tur- yeah, so, okay, like, Dowling's turned 21, Eichel's turning 23. You just need the guy who's probably late 20s, early 30s, that it can play hockey and has been around the league. They don't need to be, like, hey, the big leadership necessarily mentor, in my opinion. They just have to be a guy who's been around and has – as a character guy, right? Like, think about, like, what Chris Tanev has done for Noah Hannafin's career, right? Like, Noah Hannafin was getting pretty close to being called a write-off. Um, in Calgary, and now he's just—he's one of the best players on the team, and th- that's exactly what like Dalene needs. He just needs a steady guy who has character. Uh, which and tonight, I probably hasn't been like this all year. I know uh, teams always change their defensive partners up, but tonight he played with someone younger than him. He played with Yoki Haru, so there's no mentorship there. There's—he's probably teaching Yoki Haru things. Uh, like Drew Doughty said, he had that old guy next to him. Well, <laughs> Dallin's teaching someone younger. So there's no leadership being signed there at all. Um, and if you just if you look at pretty much all their lines here, which I'm looking at, I know they're decimated with injuries right now. But there's yeah, back to what James was saying. There's not there's no leaders. There's no leaders on this team. It's all people who've just been losing and so aren't very old or good so when things started getting bad i guess with you know injuries this season covid hit it just kept spiraling there was no one to stop it right it just seems like it was a positive feedback loop and it just you know when do you hit rock bottom and you know maybe they hit rock bottom you know two games ago when they just before they got their first win but uh i guess we'll see right like it just seems like no one knows you know because there's no one to stop it no one to stop you from no. going further deeper into the doghouse right so no coaching leadership, no player leadership. And I, again, it was one of those years where it was like we weren't even allowed to have positives. Like I remember, um, you know, McCabe was having an insane season. They're like, wow, he's actually turned his career around. And then, bam, he's out for the season. So then we call up Will Borg and they're like, holy crap, this kid's ready to play. Bam, out for the season, right? You know, Lazar, oh, hey, this guy's got a lot of heart out for the season. You know, at what point do we say, what do we have, you know, when can we have something nice in the situation? Uh, well, if Buffalo wants something nice in this situation, they better make sure they uh, sign Allmark because he is a UFA at the end of this year. Oh, is he? I could see him so, going to a, a better team and just lighten it up, right? Like, he's been great. So they, 
they better make sure they sign him or know if he's coming back because if he walks, Buffalo is in even this more trouble the than culture, they already right? are. And yeah, like Buffalo has what one that. win without Allmark this year? Like yep. this man is literally stealing. <laughs> that man was out for this. so many games in my fantasy. I was just dying. Like he was on IF I swear <laughs> for three weeks and they only got one. That's insane, man. Wow. Allmark, Vesner caliber goalie. I'm telling you, he's gonna win one in his future and he's young too. Yeah, so like, I know he, uh, they sign him soon. Well, Colorado has their own goaltending issues. They have Grubauer that they need to resign. I know they um, traded I, for um, Jonas Johansson, who's probably one of the worst goalies I've ever watched, and then we're surprised when he let in three goals on four shots. Uh, and the best part is he let in one of the best goals I've seen in a shootout uh, to Dvorak against the Coyotes because he hasn't been watching the Coyotes, and Dvorak has one move. And the commentators were talking about that. They went, we know which move Dvorak's doing, and the goalie caught, was caught with his pants down, had no research done on the Coyotes. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, talking back to that veteran leadership, like when you look at the free agents coming up this year, you know, there are a lot of veterans coming up. You know, Hajar Mosin, uh, Dougie Hamilton, who's not much of a veteran, but he's an amazing player, Goligoski, and it's like, how much money are you gonna to have to throw at these guys so they actually come to Buffalo? Well, yeah, and, and, how, and at what point is that even worth it, right? Is it worth paying Goligoski five million just so he can mentor Dowling and be hot garbage every night? He well, won't get that much. Arguably, don't go for someone like Goligoski or Yarmelson. Maybe someone like Mark, or, or I think it's Dennis or Mark Savard, who's available. Eric Goodbranson well, is a thirty years. Proven leader of losing teams. Bring him in. Bring him in. I he would be the toughest guy on that roster. And I think that's the one thing the Sabres, are ups- the Sabres fans are upset about is, you know, everyone loves a tough guy on a team even if they don't contribute much, and especially on losing teams, you know. Ottawa fans have such a blast watching their games even though they suck because you've got, you know, Watson, Goodbranson, Kachuk. Like, you got all these maniacs just running around and they, you know, they're not good at hockey, but they're hitting guys and they're energizing and they're working their asses off. And we just, Buffalo doesn't have any fight in them. You know, you got Ristolainen, but he's eating up so many men's playing. You can't have him fighting. You know, who else is going to get in a fight? Colin Miller? I know Cousins got in a fight and he, beat, you know, beat the brakes off Lindgren. And that was great to see, you know, bump the mouth guard out of him. But he's a kid. You can't expect him to get fighting, especially now with his concussion issues. You got to be he's really a kid, careful with that crowd. You don't want someone that skillful being one of the only players willing to stand up for people on a losing team, especially. Yeah. Uh, you don't, Are, you know, you don't see McDavid going out fighting every game. No, just with the elbow. Yeah, just an elbow and he won't get, he'll just get fined. That's okay. Yeah. But I mean, like, arguably this is a spot where Kyle Poza, although small, could kind of just give that energy. He just go out there, hit Stand up for guys. He's not out a good all, guy, but like out of all the players to call on, that was the worst one. Yeah, he was in the hospital <laughs> for so long with a concussion. Oh my god. Oh, my god. oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's like, injury destroyed. He cannot fight. Anyway. Sorry, what was that, James? Sorry, who? Who was that? Uh, Kalo Kalo Kalo. Kalo. I did not know about his concussions. There was, yeah, no, it was a situation. 
where he got a concussion and they gave him medication for it in the hospital. And he had such, like, an adverse effect. He was out for the year. And he got, like, schizophrenic for a bit from it. Or I think it was manic depressive where, like, he didn't remember his wife's name. He was threatening to fight doctors. Like, it was just, like, they were wondering if he was going to die in hospital. It was a horrifying moment. Like, honestly, this guy should probably retire at this point in career for his health. But, yeah, yeah, he's definitely not the guy we want out there fighting. Well, if he retires, is that even a cap relief for the Sabres, or is it going to be like a Vancouver Curtis, uh, Roberto Luongo No, situation? he can be put on LTIR. The CB, right. the new CBA rectified cap recapture penalties anyway, so he'd be fine. They realize just punishing the Canucks always isn't going to fly. Um, no, but they could easily get away with uh, the amount of injuries he's had. It would not be a hard argument. In fact, he And I, I would hope should. that they put him on LTIR just so... Because if a player just directly retires, he doesn't get insurance money anymore. But if he's on LTIR, the team still has to pay for his treatment. So I hope the team would do the right thing and offer to still pay for his medical. And I know Buffalo was, you know, they're pretty good in that regard, at least. You know, they do that one thing, right? Uh, we'll see if they do while penny pinching during COVID, though. I... Yeah. It doesn't oh, sound God. like they've done that great under Kim Pagula for that kind of stuff. They kind of just, the moment the team or a player doesn't bring them more money... Meh. I would I would disagree. I I've at least what I've told seen from the organization the past couple of years. You know, we may not be a great hockey team, but we do try our best to look out for the players. I remember they did give a lot of support to um, Robin Lehner when he was going through his uh, issues with his wife and his child. And I know they were giving a lot of issues to got other players when they had personal issues. And it's just you know they try their best to at least help the guys even if they can't get them wins on the ice. Yeah, but that, that's not my point. It's those guys were making the money at the time. The moment those guys don't make you money, it seems like the Pugulas kind of just see them as expendable, right? Like, alumni is nice and all, but it's only good Austin's for one night a year. It. He doesn't agree. I'm not, I'm not buying it. <laughs> he, I, I've he seen us give support to guys who make us no money so many times. Matt Molson was hot garbage, and we still did everything we could so he could have a good off-season retirement, even moving him to the Hershey Bears. While paying him four million, so. Well, he kind of had to. <laughs> There's no getting out of that. Yeah, well, because he left our organization to play for another one, but we were, we just bit the bullet on it just so he could play for his family. I mean, they're very charitable. They signed Cody Eakin for two years at way too much, so they do have a little bit of gold. In, they have in a heart. they have a good soft side, you know. Um, if you can't win games, you better. But just you know, it's just brutal. Just brutal all around, and I honestly don't know whether or not to blow it up at this point. You know, the next, not this year's draft, this year's draft's kind of a crapshoot, but I know the 2022 and 2023 drafts both have great players in them. And so I'm wondering, it has to be in Kevin Adams' mind if he's looking at those two kids and thinking whether or not to try to base his franchise around them. I think Uh, next year's your last shot. You have too many UFAs. Just looking at it now. Too many UFAs. Honestly, I think you guys just got to like retool. Keep your like on everyone twenty three and under. Sure, keep everyone over. Sell them for the highest price, and probably not during this year or during the off season. You'd have to wait until next year when the, we know if the cap's actually going to be raised. We can see what teams are going to be able to spend. Uh, That's the sure issue too: is the cap staying the cap staying flat for former years. COVID. COVID strikes again. Uh, the reason I'm saying next year is their last chance. You don't sell 
low. Business 101. You can't sell players coming off of an 18-game losing streak if they're still signed. If you have to get rid of them, you have to. But if they're still signed, that's not the time to trade them. A lot of them are still good players just on a bad team that's had its misfortunes this year. You have to see if the team can connect next year. But you got to be ready to pull the plug as soon as possible if it's not going well. Because we've seen it before where they start very well and then it all falls apart. And next year's judgment year <laughs> with all the UFAs. So it's going to be hard. If they don't get Allmark, though, I think that that sets it right there. Uh, if they don't have Allmark, they're in trouble. I know they have um, goalie prospects, but you don't really want to throw them in into a starting position when they've never played uh, backup or not many games as backup, especially when the team's doing as bad as it is. That just That's not going to help them develop into good goalies. Yeah, you never want to rush a goalie to a stage above where they're ready, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is all. This is, will always be an issue for every team is they they see a need for being better goaltending. They'll rush their goalies, and then they become stagnant. Their growth, they get injuries, they get lit up, they lose their confidence, right? So I mean, yeah, it really doesn't come down to if you guys can sign Allmark, then you at least have one more year to be like, okay, we can compete with this core, or potentially but if you guys lose all mark you have you basically have to blow it up you, there's no way this team can compete without that kind of goaltending or do we want to read some uh some tweets absolutely, yeah, absolutely. oh my god yeah i would love to see this okay so we're going to move on into our next segment here so uh we're going to read some fan reactions to uh the Buffalo Sabres' unfortunate loss streak here, um, which just just finished up uh, yesterday as, as the time we're recording this with a uh, decisive 6-1 victory over the uh, Philadelphia Flyers, another team that uh, could be in the Doghouse dog podcast here in the next uh, couple of weeks, right, boys? So, uh, so I've got a couple of comments here from... Uh, some uh, some nice Sabres fans uh, from the previous game where they uh, they lost 4-3 in overtime to the Philadelphia Flyers, um, I believe, without Hart in goal, too. Um, and they were up 3-0 um, going into the third, I believe. And they blew a 3-0 lead, loss in, uh, loss in overtime. So... We have a comment here from an angry fan um, on the, the Facebook from Buffalo Sabres uh, from their loss of 4-3. I'm about to mail my Sabres jersey back to Terry and Kim, but the post office deemed hazardous material. Yikes. Ooh, <laughs> yikes. Hey, okay. they, they could give it to their legends, though. <laughs> <laughs> if they send some go-ahead ones, they might have the proper ones. Please send your legends uh, jerseys so they can spell the names right. Help a legend out. I, I've got another <laughs> long one here from a uh, Facebook fan, Dan. This one's quite a long one, and it should be interesting to get uh, you guys' opinion on this one. So uh, it reads, uh, I know this team sucks, and I could pretty much pick on any of them, but I just don't understand why. Why is Casey Middlestat on the ice in the final two minutes of regulation with one goal lead? Then he's out first shift in overtime. Thoughts? Interesting. I mean, I understand why he's probably not happy to put Casey Millsell on the ice, but who do we have left at center? Like Sam Reinhardt. Dude, <laughs> j- just loaded up with penalty killers. 
like Curtis Lazar, <laughs> Toby Reader, and then three usually, defensemen. We usually do start every overtime with Lazar to win the draw, but he's he's out now. So, yeah, but uh, was right he now, in the game? I I don't know for that one. Lazar, but... no, Lazar's not. Uh, right now, Middlestat's playing first line center. Reinhardt's playing second line center. Uh, so <laughs> injury and Eakin's just been brutal this year. So you're not going to put Eakin on. Yeah, you got Fogarty, Stephen Fogarty, who's a bit of a washed-up player, Riley Sheehan, who we signed as a depth guy just in case of injury. Like, I mean, I yeah, I'm I'm frustrated with having Millsap rush to play top six roles, but, like, who else do you have, right? I have another interesting comment here, and this one was, uh, this one was a comment from a fan on the uh, post-game live stream from the 4-3 loss. Uh, the most like <laughs> comment on that guy was uh, when the owners don't care about the team and they don't want to pay for quality. You get this: the Sabers are a tax write-off for them. They have the bills. That's all they care about. Now this ties back very well to our conversation earlier about the owners. Yeah, I mean that they're not they're not entirely wrong. They love the bills. You know, you never see them coming out and saying they're gonna have to cut bill funding so they can fund their super yacht. Like the Bills is their cash wagon. They the Sabers, however, like it's kind of coming out clearer and clearer that they really, I mean, really don't give a crap. It kind of makes sense though when you compare like an NHL franchise to an NFL one. Even a small NFL one is probably in the top ten for like NHL franchises in terms of net worth. It they really can't compare and compete really. Like think about ESPN's deal with the NHL. 400 million for half the TV rights. ESPN's deal for like I think it's the next 10 years with the NFL is 100 billion. Yeah. It's not even close. Uh, I also think uh if I was the owner of a fan base that likes to jump through tables, I'd be pretty scared of getting <laughs> money from that team as well. I wouldn't want to be thrown through a table. Um it shows though that yeah, they they don't care when I know going back to the comment before with Middlestat if you look at what the owners did, that's why they're in this position. They signed all these wingers, don't have centers. I know injuries and COVID is affecting that a lot, so it's not just on them. But it doesn't look like they were prepared to have enough centers anyway. And that shows that, especially when they're super hands-on, that they either don't know what they're doing or they think they know what they're doing and they're just making all these mistakes and who so... knows what's going on there. And it just shows that these, like the Buffalo Sabers, what, like, what? How do these fans have any hope and trust their owners at all when they're doing when they don't care? And when you're looking at their center depth, as Casey Middlestat, Sam Reinhart, um, Ramis Aspeland, and Cody Eakin, that shows that I mean, they don't care. That shows that they don't care. It definitely doesn't help that. Uh... Four of their centers at the start of the year are now out, with uh, Eichel's out, Gergensen's out, uh, Curtis Lazar's out, and we traded Stahl. So, like, we are really, we're, te we're testing the depths of a center, you know, and I guess it's good, at least, that you get to see looks on guys to see, okay, who should I keep, who should I not keep, but when your number one center is Casey Middlestead or Riley Sheehan, it's just like, Ooh. at what point are we just running the circus on ice? I've, I've got and, a, and a pretty, oh, go ahead, JJ. In in overtime, I mean, I know that I know this year you're only playing teams in your division. But if we look at the like some of the most elite overtime teams, who do they have? McDavid, Drysaddle. 
well, like Crosby, you know, Crosby, like players like that. These are like legendary players who are out there. And maybe maybe their thinking is, oh, Casey Millsat's young. He's really fast. That's three-on-three hockey. But when you're throwing him out there to compete against like Crosby, Dreisaitl, like Ovechkin even, they, they don't stand a chance. And, it, and that shows that the owners have no clue what they're doing and are making mistakes. And I feel for that, man. Really sad comment here from uh, uh, from Reddit, the, the r slash series Reddit. This one's really sad. Um, so this one reads, new, new fan at hockey and know very little about the sport. Just moved to upstate, so my wife and I decided to follow the Sabres. Oh, Feels no. bad. <laughs> Just my thoughts. <laughs> Why the fuck are Middlestat and Ristolainen still playing any minutes? I have a hard time imagining that they are both NHL players. And then there's a couple replies here before we get into it. Uh, first reply reads, uh, You definitely picked the wrong team to follow for hockey, but hey, you do you, man. And then the next one, You might want to hey. find a less painful hobby, like home dentistry or something. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> See, that goes back to the fans have no faith. They have no oh. faith in the owners or the team. I will no give faith. it to the the subreddit of the Sabres. I always pop in there just to see what people are saying. In previous years, it's a lot of sadness and anger because of the disappointment. But at this year, they're just kind of having fun with it. I mean, wasn't it one year there was a Iroquois curse put on the team? Oh, man. That on was the, the year Eichel was named captain. Yeah, that was like four years ago. And I'm just saying the town of Fernie uh, in British Columbia had a curse put on them by the First Nations. The town burnt down twice. They invited the First Nations back to get rid of the curse, and the town hasn't burnt down since. So maybe Buffalo needs some magic there. Need to get rid of this curse. I think Buffalo Sabres fandom right now is kind of like – they've reached a joker mindset where like, haha, like – the society and the state of the team is just such a joke. They're laughing at their own pain. What else? You know, they're just kind of having fun with it. If there's anyone left who even watches the games, like when we were in that 10 game winning streak, you know, the post game threads would have like 500 to 800 comments on it. And then you look at the post game threads now and it's like 32. I'm pretty sure that Instagram actually stopped posting the final score on the Buffalo Instagram. I, I was scrolling through and I was trying to find, or was it the Instagram or the Facebook, like where they post, like, you know, just the final score from the game? I couldn't find it anymore. Um, until well, that one I'm, I'm puzzled by because they post the final score still on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, but not Where Instagram arguably the fans are, are mm-hmm. more vicious than Instagram. Totally. Yeah, I noticed a lot that. of teams I don't, know. don't post all their losses. It's I see it with a lot of teams. I used to follow every team on Instagram, which is way too much. Um, but you'll just see it where a team loses and they just don't post anything. So maybe that's maybe maybe they were posting and then they went, oh, we should take a hint from the other teams that don't post yeah. all the scores. But they, that is weird. Yeah, Facebook would be a more violent yeah, place. So. <laughs> yeah, Austin, you got another roast mm-hmm. uh, comment there. Or? Yeah, I don't know if they took down the comment or the guy himself took down the comment, but the comment was taken down. But uh, on March 24th, the Sabres had a partnership with uh, Jägermeister where this, they're offering a chance to win a virtual meet and greet with a custom uh, Jägermeister Sabres jersey. And the top comment for a long time was, there's not enough Jägermeister in the world that'll make this team watchable. <laughs> so whoever that guy commented that, that, uh, that hero... There was another one we made a post about you can drop off fan cutouts. So, you know, put yourself in the crowd. 
and uh, the top comment was, I paid for a cutout of my recently deceased aunt. I want to pick her up. I don't want her to see this. It's disrespectful to her. Oh my this, god. This goes back to the very famous joke of, uh, I want the Buffalo Sabres to bury me when I when I pass away so that they can let me down one last time. <laughs> uh, just the famous joke there. Oh man. I don't know. Oh, uh, after that watching guys like Middlestat play, they might miss the burial hole putting me down. Yeah, they, they might miss the net and then drop pass it to uh, Zabinajad and Panarin and lose in overtime, which happened tonight. Funny enough, though, that overtime play wasn't our bad players out there. That was Reinhardt and Olofsson. So. Nice. Well, I think they're all just playing bad at this point. I have one more Twitter reply here, and uh, it's actually kind of interesting because uh, this, this guy said, you know, in, in response to you know one of their many losses, you know, has any professional team in any sport ever by two head coaches in the same year asking for a friend ridiculous blowing a three nothing lead uh versus a non-cup contender and i did some looking onto this because actually wasn't that long ago um that nhl team uh did this they had two head coaches uh in the same year and it was the 2011 2012 los angeles kings um so they fired their main coach in December, early December, and then they had an interim coach come in, and it was like 10 days later, 10, 20 days later, they fired the intern and um, hired Daryl Sutter, and they were 10th in the Western Conference um, with like a month to go in the season, a uh, month and a half, and then they came back to make the playoffs, and what did they do that season? They won to Stanley Cup. Isn't yeah, so that what you're saying is... If we fire Don Granado, we're gonna win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> no, Daryl Sutter's already in Calgary. Sorry. <laughs> we'll probably Looks fire like Daryl Sutter, Sutter pretty quickly too. Yeah, true. He'll bench Gaudreau for you know missing a practice, and then they'll fire him like they did to Hartley. So we only gotta wait a couple weeks till Sarah, uh, Sutter becomes free for us. I think it's too late though. If... Like mathematically, aren't Buffalo eliminated already? Or no? They they gotta be close. They, maybe not. Gambling maybe odds, not. yes. Mathematically, yeah, math, yeah, that makes sense. So, put the, your theory. bets in, guys. Put your bets in. The time is now. Imagine the payout. The moment you see, dude, a five dollar bet that Buffalo wins the division right now. Imagine <laughs> five hundred thousand dollars. Good luck. <laughs> but you would win so much. Oh my gosh, that'd be insane. So, I've got a couple here now. Obviously, they won six one versus Philadelphia Flies. Just a couple, you know light-hearted ones just to uh kind of end us off so uh, a little less uh a little less pain here so um and th- this one i think is actually a good point because not a lot of people think about this but uh this guy on twitter responded to their their post on their 6-1 win uh, i'm a Leafs fan but i'm so happy for all of you especially the social media person because no one ever thinks of them, right? It's not actually the, the management that sees all these hate comments that we're yeah, talking about. True. It's the intern, right? The intern that's getting paid 10 bucks an hour. Uh, he's in college and he's posting these. And he's just, just probably crying behind the keyboard for you know 18 games in a row. And then finally has his moment. Can post. Sabres win. <laughs> final score. There's another one here. Uh, is it cringy that I actually teared up on the final minute? So much frustration. I just wanted one friggin' win. I think that kind of sums up Buffalo fans this season. It's pretty sad. I mean, I I wouldn't... I'd be lying if I would say that I didn't jump up when Montour scored that second goal. Like, it felt like for a brief moment we won the Stanley Cup. And I was like, how much is a Brandon Montour jersey going to cost me? 
<laughs> I wonder what uh, all the posts are like today after they uh, Dallin made that heroic save with the empty net, and then they go score to put it into OT with 3.6 seconds left, and then lose. I wonder how the hope destroyed all those Buffalo fans today. I feel bad for them. Well, like Honestly, that's like the biggest pain that we do every season is not that we lose and disappoint the fans, but we're losing and we're disappointing Rick Janaret, who just deserves to watch a winning team for once. I would love to see him back commentating the playoffs one last time. I'm just that looking, would be sweet. Another May Day. I'm looking at their Instagram and they didn't even post a final score today. They stopped. <laughs> they just <laughs> they, they stopped lose, posting four it, hours it's ago. It's gone. Yeah. They stopped posting oh, mid games, so uh, hey, I think they've had enough. Oh yeah, I, I mean, what are the odds though that Buffalo right now goes on yet another losing skid? I mean, they're on one. It's definitely possible. One game. Yeah, they technically are. Yeah. <laughs> right back to normal. <laughs> to answer JJ's questions, uh, two comments in the Sabers post game thread that I found interesting. The number one comment is going to take a hit to our playoff chances with that loss. And <laughs> it's pretty good. And then the last one was. Raise the almost won two games in a row banner. So they're still in good spirits. I uh, I just remember that uh, when the Sabers were up three nothing against Philly, uh, I remember Connor messaging the this group chat and he was like, "Oh my gosh!" and I and I just replied, "Not yet, <laughs> not yet." And uh, Dude, I was right. I, I wanted to send. Does. I really wanted to send this message like, "Yes, they're finally going to do it after the second when it was three nothing." But I'm like. I can't. I gotta wait at least fifteen <laughs> minutes left in the game. I feel like okay, they've got this. God, that that was heart wrenching even for me. So As I a, think the one thing that the league needs to rectify right now is there's a meme that's going around in Canada that's perpetuated by the media, and it's called the Ottawa Senator Sicko, and that there was an old political comic about some guy looking through a window watching a family eat dinner saying yes ha 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 yes and across his shirt it says sickos and people started calling him the ottawa senator sicko because the fans just kept getting more riled up every time they lost games so to watch the senators be called sickos i think the sabers are kind of contending for that spot now didn't um didn't they put out like cutouts of him in the crowd and then when they won a game the coach quoted him? <laughs> That's great. That's because Ottawa has hope. They have they have hope and even when they lose, they have an, a more exciting play than they did years ago uh, when they started to fall apart. So I think they have hope and believe. And they may not believe in their owner, but they believe in the team. And that's just what Buffalo doesn't have anymore uh, with the with the drought. Yeah, they're in early yeah, days. I- I mean, they're, they're in early days, but they also got, like, that veteran level and the young guys, and they're all working hard to prove something. Just, just you wait, watch. kids. Just you wait seven more years, and then you'll look just like me, washed <laughs> up, disenfranchised, <laughs> tired. Seven. You guys got to make the playoffs first. You're about to set the record for the longest playoff drought in uh, NHL history if you don't make it next year. Hey, this year's We're not all done yet. Records in the city. You know? <laughs> True, so to wrap things up here to end the podcast, I'm going to open up with a bit of a question that we can look back on. Taylor Hall, does he stay? Does he go? He goes. He, he goes. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. He goes. 
I, I think he stays. No. Just the I'm way going with he stays. Just, just the way he's been playing, I don't think there's a team that's gonna be like, okay, yeah, this is what we need. Uh, I'm gonna say big go. fat lip of his loves Buffalo. He's staying. How old is he? I think he stays. I'm gonna say go. He's twenty eight. I I don't see him staying. Like he's twenty eight. He's he's in his prime right now. Like he's not gonna go to a team that clearly has no direction in the next three years. Yeah, but what, te- what but what team has won the cap to sign him? Because even though he's had a bad year, he's still going to be like four or five well, million dollars. I think, and that's a contender. I think for sure but, he'll be farmed out as a rental this year, right? So he'll get an opportunity, you know, maybe go to Toronto, maybe go to Colorado or something, right? Um, I think for sure Buffalo want to get something for him, even if it's you know pennies on the dollar. Um, and then they go from there. There's going to be some team with. Any team is better than Buffalo. <laughs> and if Buffalo retain 50% of his salary, which they might not have to do, but let's just say they have to, it's only $4 million for Taylor Hall. Um, teams are going to see what he's been in the past and go, I want a guy on that. I want a guy like that on our team. I think we can fix him, turn him around, uh, and play really well, even if it's just for the playoffs. It's a, it would be if they retain fifty percent, it's four million dollars. It's not a big gamble. Uh, maybe another team doesn't make Buffalo take fifty percent, but also from Buffalo's standpoint, he's saying, "Yeah, I might stay." Sometimes he's saying, "Oh, I'm listening to offers." It might be too risky, and it, having more wingers might not be the right play anyway. Uh, so I think you might as well trade him and maybe have a talk before going. Hey, if you want to come back at the end of the year. We'll offer you a contract. We'll be interested. But for now, go try to win. But at that point, like, what do you think you're going to get for a return from Taylor Hall? Because I don't think at this point you'd probably retain and you get maybe like an AHLer and so, like a fourth round pick. Anything Nothing great. Though, okay, I right? think you're going to get more than that. I think yeah, more, more, more teams. So many times we see teams trade for players or sign players who – were good a couple years ago and then had a couple bad seasons or a bad season because they go, those teams failed him. We won't fail him. We will make from what him. What I've been good. reading from the inside sources is the Sabres want a first round pick and a prospect and like a bottom six guy, bottom to middle six guy. And while at the start of that offer, a lot of NHL executives came out and said they're being a bit optimistic if they think they're going to get a first. Um, from what I've read is while the Sabres aren't actively shopping them, apparently a bidding war is starting to form because Colorado wanted Hall, but now St. Louis is looking at him because they're struggling incredibly. And Hoffman is struggling. So if they can really take advantage and get this betting war, I bet you they'll get a first for him. I bet you someone's going to risk it. I think for sure he's going before the deadline. Just for his perspective, though, just from Taylor Hall's perspective, is he going to want to finish the rest of the year in Buffalo and then negotiate for a contract? He's not going to get very much money. If he I can think they're going to try to sign him before they trade him. If no he way. can do that, his his then he's trying to sign at a low. He's, he's trying to sign where he's been the worst, he just the worst of the worst. Out. Exactly, JJ. If he James. goes to a really good team, gets 20 <laughs> points in under 20 games or, or gets even 10 points in a short amount of time, then teams could be like, hmm, that's the Taylor Hall we know, and he'll have that much more negotiating power, especially if he has a good playoff run. Austin is having not, nothing of what we're saying. I'm here. having nothing. He's having none let of me, this. Let me convince you in a different way. 
the most ideal situation for Buffalo this year is we trade Taylor Hall, we recoup some assets, we you know hopefully have a strong draft, and then we go forward free agency, whatever, right? What have we learned from this entire episode? Time and time and time again is that the Buffalo Sabres, without fail, rain or snow, you know, holiday or not holiday, they will go out of their way to disappoint you. And holiday. you're goddamn right they're going to sign Hall. And they're going to sign him for too much money. And they're going to sign him for too long. And he's going to retire a Buffalo Sabres. They're not going to take that and risk. That is my they final can't. They, they should sign him for the same length as Skinner, same contract. Why not? Nine times Why not? eight. And we'll just have Skinner, Eichel, and Hall play. <laughs> defense, zero. <laughs> zero defense. Hell, he knew it was going to happen. And that line can, would score you know, 700 goals in the NHL in one year, guaranteed. We'll, we'll probably have a show for you know the trade deadline, and we can recoup, and we can see you know who was in the doghouse on the right prediction on the hall, and who got the dog. I just don't see a scenario where he stays because like they can get anything's better than him walking, right? The potential for him walking like he did Arizona, and like I just don't think they'll be willing to take the risk like they did on Skinner, like they because he hasn't had a great year, they can't risk another Skinner, so he's got to go. And what did he do in Arizona? He went to the playoffs and they beat Nashville. That's why he got $8 million this year. Exactly. So we sign him cheap, and then next <laughs> year we beat Nashville in the playoffs in the Stanley no, Cup final. That's Arizona's job to beat Nashville. It's the only team that can beat. So going into our final little question of the show, how we're going to end the show off today, uh, we're going to pick two players or people in the organization one is, who are we going to put in the doghouse? Who do we think has contributed the most to the Buffalo Sabres' failures this year? Who has been the most garbage? Who has really let the team down? And then also, who, which dog are we going to give a bone to? You know, who, despite this terrible season, has really, you know, been hardworking, been, you know, hungry for that bone and given it all to? So, Jim, you want to start with yours? Yeah, sure. Um, so... Who am I going to put in the doghouse? Mm. You know, you might not like this, but I'm putting Jack Eichel in the doghouse. You know, I think, <laughs> you know, I even <laughs> have been out, you know, injured, you know, for a lot <laughs> of this season. But, <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, he's the captain and he is, as a captain of this organization, you are literally what everyone else, every other player should revolve around. And I just don't think he's done a good enough job. And clearly he hasn't done a good enough job to motivate his team. And I think you can still motivate your team even when you're injured. You're sitting from the sidelines. You should be getting everyone fired up. And personally, I just, I don't know if he has it in him. But um, if he does, James, he has led the way. He got injured and the rest of the team got injured. He is How is that not leadership? Leadership 101. You just proved my point. He's literally led the team to sadness. He's the core of the sadness. And um, so with that, I will nominate Jack Eichel uh, to give him, make him the bottom of the doghouse and for the uh, give a dog a bone. Um, I think this might be a common theme, but we'll see. But I give him the bone to uh, Olmark. You know, he's been outstanding. He's been literally uh, there for every single win, except one of what you guys were saying earlier. Uh, he's been outstanding. I have him in fantasy He's been doing great uh, for save percentage, not so great for the wins, but, um, you know, he's really held it out, and he's been the clear, 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 clear MVP of the Buffalo Sabres this season. And uh, I guess we're heading off to JJ. What do you think? 
Uh, doghouse, I'm going to go with the ownership. I mean, you the players, I know the players have to perform at times, and I know Jack Eichel only has two goals this year and they're not performing. But if you're not, if you don't have scouts, the fans don't trust you, maybe even the players don't trust you to build a good team, it's going to reflect on the ice. And it clearly has this year. And I think they need to realize what they did with the Bills has worked out and that they need to let go of their stranglehold and maybe pass it on to someone who has more experience in hockey who can help these players out more. Uh, the dog I'm going to give a bone is definitely Allmark as well. I mean, to have a 920 save percentage on the worst team in the league that's only won uh, seven games and you've won six of them says a lot. Uh, he's the only goalie on the team who's not who doesn't have a sunburn on the back of his neck from the uh, or in back of his neck for the from the goal light. So have to give him some respect there. Uh, hopefully, he <laughs> either gets a big payday or goes somewhere else and can win. Uh, and I'm going to pass it off to Connor then. Awesome. Um, I think in terms j- just to add a little bit onto the Jack Eichel because I saw Austin shaking his head. Um, Eichel is, has a shooting percentage below 3%. That, that's, that's pretty bad. 2.8%. Connor, you break a rib and get some abdominal surgery. Let's see how many goals you, goals you score, okay? Put, put yourself in his skates. Break a rib and then put I, a I mean, I, I'm, also, I'm also a little sour because I took him at 6 overall in fantasy, so... My, my sourness comes there, but uh, I guess in terms of like who who I um, who I'd put in the doghouse, honestly, it's got to be their coaching. Um, just their five on five play and the way to inspire their players has not been there. Like their systems on the power play and penalty kill have been pretty good. I don't give them that, but just with how they play, like how they coach their players, get them motivated, like. Even during like the like game fifteen, game fourteen, you could just see like the heart and soul players on the Sabers just lacking effort, and that just all comes down to getting your coach motivating the players. They're the one who's supposed to be, you know, talking to the GMs and the players. They're the ones who really should drive the team. Um, and the, the, okay, but for my uh, give a dog a bone, this is going to be a weird one. I'm going to give it to Jeff Skinner. Oof. He hasn't been getting the minutes. Um, arguably, he, he doesn't deserve the minutes. You got to earn your minutes. But in the last little while, even though he has not been performing well, even during that peak, like games 13, 14, 15, he was probably the only saber out there that was constantly digging hard and working his ass off. And even though he's not producing, that kind of mentality, at least, I can appreciate. So I'll give Skinner a bow. Did he give you some of his money? Like, what's good? he has four points. <laughs> Skinner Dude. always hustles. Skinner puts <laughs> so much points. heart. Uh, four points, but, like, he is at least trying, and that was way more than I can say about guys like Ristolein and, and Dalene. You know, every yeah. game Skinner has been playing against two teams. He has to play against the other team and then Team Ralph Kruger trying to stop him from winning. And he still comes to games happy. And, you know, you got to give Skinner a bit of props because he had the two funniest plays in the past two games. Uh, today he had a breakaway without a stick and tried <laughs> to soccer kick it in the net. And last game, uh, Puck deflected into the crowd and no one saw where it went. And you just see Skinner skating because it landed in his pants. 
And then he comes around the net, pops it out of his pants, and tries to score. So he's just That's like, hilarious. I just love the guy. That's um, pretty funny. Hopefully he can turn it around then. Austin, who you got? So this might come as a bit of a shock. Uh, if anyone here is a Melody Martin fan, though, maybe not so much. The player that I am putting in the doghouse, and I am putting a player, is Eric Stahl. Eric Stahl was brought in to be a veteran presence, to be, you know, second-line center. And I remember when we traded for him, there was, like, a rumor going around that he might not even play. He might just retire. Uh, but he eventually did show up to Buffalo. But honestly, I can't tell the difference, you know. We have a lot of guys on this team who just, they, they hustle every game, but they're just not good enough for the NHL. You know, Eakin, Fogarty, Asplund, right? You know, they try their hardest. They skill. just don't have the skill. But... You know, Eric Stahl is just so lazy. So many games that I can just see he cashed out. You know, and I think a lot of fans are misinterpreting, you know, Sabre fans are saying, good luck, Montreal, this guy sucks. And we're not saying it because he had a bad year. You know, a lot of players had a bad year, but he just, he didn't look like he cared. And, you know, when you get brought in to be a leader, you got to, you know, you can't motivate a team when the leader presence is giving up on the ice. When you got rookies going out there giving more effort than him. His last game here, he gave away two giveaways in his own end that led to two goals and didn't even try to fix it. He just threw it and then just stood up and dropped his stick, did the Tyler Sagan. So Eric Stahl is for sure my that's, dog in the doghouse. That's a good point. Yep. Biggest mistake of his life was not retiring. Honestly, Jade, you watch him play, he looked like he retired anyway, so there's no difference. He's just getting <laughs> paid this time. Uh, the player that I would give a dog bone to, um, I was thinking of Montour because he, uh, he always shows up chippy, but... One underrated player that I watch every game is Jacob Bryson. He is a rookie this year. He is 23 years old. Sabres have one of the worst scouts, one of the worst drafting. We've been over this. He's a fourth-round pick in 2017, played for Providence. In the AHL in his first year in pro hockey, at 27 points in 61 games. And everyone's like, okay, like this kid's really good. He's only 5'9", he's small. And there's talks like, you know, maybe a couple of years down the road, he'll be a great prospect for the Sabres. But this year he gets called up because of injury, and this kid is NHL ready. You know, he's so smart. He's such a great puck-moving defenseman. Just does all the little things right. He reminds me a lot of, you know, Ryan Ellis. And to come into such a, you know, lose-lose situation and play so well and give your heart out, you know, I got to give it to Jacob Bryson. He's one of those guys... That when you watch him play, you're like, okay, there's a bright future here. We have a chance to be good. We have a chance to turn this around if we can just build around guys like these. Touche. So I think that's how we, uh, we're going to cap off the podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the first episode. Uh, and then we'll just fade out of here on one last question. Buffalo Wings, do you guys even with ranch or blue cheese? Blue cheese. This best, isn't an opinion either. There, there is a right answer to this question. <laughs> Buffalo blue cheese. I didn't even. I never had them. Austin forced me to try it, and they. I would order them every time we went out. Buffalo blue cheese until that place closed down due to COVID. I've they never was had so good. I've never had blue cheese to be honest. So I'm missing out. Hey. Yeah. Well, it's like closed now. So I think you've missed the train. <laughs> Man, I I'm not a big cheese guy, so I'm a I'll go ranch all the way, and I know I'm wrong. Hey, bring all the I would the like H. to change my answer to a cheese James hater. Connor in the doghouse for a terrible <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about, man? Ranch is a classic for wings. You know, the only people who like Even... ranch are Flyers fans, and look how they turned out. You know, blue cheese brave, game. brave, brave comments. <laughs>